speeding bullets. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 57 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at episodes 3 and 4 of season 5 of The Adventures of Superman. The town that wasn't, and the tomb of Zaharan. And to help me out this week, I have the the co-host who is, Bob Fisher is with me. Hello. Hello, how are you doing this week? I am fine. I am glad to be back. Glad to be among the living. Ten ounces lighter. I don't have my gallbladder anymore. But yeah, fine. This is good. I'm glad. We've got a couple of, uh, as we were saying just before we went on air, we have a couple of colorful episodes to talk about this evening. Season five. You're already now in season five. This is my first appearance in season five. Yes, this is uh, my second appearance in season five. Yes, because you have already done episodes one and two of season five. Well, they've they've already they've already dropped. As They're a, out there already in the well, ethers. I do have a Batman episode coming up soon. Really? Yeah, you're man. gonna do Batman on the man of screen. Well, yeah, I'll do, it'll, it's gonna be man of screen extra number ten. Should be dropping soon. Oh, I'll, but I bet I know why. I'll bet you know why. It's your fault. It's my. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, uh, you had to have. You had to watch them. You had to watch them. You had to. So good, good. You you have now. Uh, have you watched them now? Have you finished watching? I finished them? watching Batman and Robin earlier today. Oh, good, good. I was able to uh, get a hold of that one without spending any money. Oh, okay, good. Through my net, through my uh, Netflix DVD uh, account. Oh, okay, good. So I good. could. I can't get the other one though. So mm. without purchasing it. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. It but, might be on YouTube, but it probably looks all blurry and. Yeah, the YouTube versions are not particularly good. So. I'll have to see see what version I have over there on my little stack of DVDs over there. There's, a, I know there's a DVD set that Amazon has it for like five bucks of of both serials, but I think that's what I have. Yeah, I think that's the one I have. But I haven't even opened it yet. Yeah. But, oh, my God, does that have the same DNA as the Superman serials, the second one? Yeah, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? I honestly think some of the music is the same. Oh, yeah. I think that some of the scenery, the music, the sets, the actors. A couple, a couple of actors. And one thing I read that was interesting is that the Batman costume wasn't fitted for Robert Lowry. It never looked like it fit him. No, it was apparently fitted for Kirk Allen. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Kirk Allen was going to play Batman? That's what I wonder. Was he going to play Batman? Or did they just use his measurements? Interesting. It never looked like it fit Lowry. Well, the cow didn't. It looked too big. None of it did. All of it looked too big for him. Wait, it was I, all. I was surprised to know he was bigger than Kirk Allen. He was smaller than Kirk Allen. He doesn't look it. No. No. Because later when we see him with George Reeves, they pretty much look, you know head to head the right. same size george looks thicker bigger than than lowry uh i've never actually and i wouldn't know where we would i'm sure it doesn't exist anywhere of kirk allen and george reeves standing next to each other anywhere 
No, I'm pretty sure George Reeves is taller. Yeah, I think he was too. But uh, very interesting. Well, good. I'm glad you are getting a chance to watch those and you're going to podcast about them. Yeah, it's not going to get the same treatment that the Kirk Allen serials did. But of course not. I'll do one. I'll do one episode just talking about my thoughts on it. Good. And uh, you did see the trailer. Did you see the uh, re-edited trailer that someone has done about using footage from the Batman and Robin and Batman uh, it was, yeah. serial with the George or uh, Kirk Allen serials. Yeah, there were actually there were two. Yes, there they, are two. I found both of them. Yeah, I, I found and watched both. Okay, of them. good. Especially the second they, one where they where they got the act the characters talking and they tried to match it the best they could. It was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny. I liked them both. I thought they were just really funny, and it just shows you know there's some clever people out there. There are. And, uh, but yeah, doing what we're talking about is someone has edited together scenes from the forties serials, Kirk Allen and Robert Lowry serials and, uh, mixed it with the sounds and music from the Batman V Superman trailer. It's just very funny. It's very it good. It's, it's worth watching. It's weird seeing, uh, Jesse Eisenberg's voice coming out of Lyle Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, Especially when you know Talbot got that deep, booming yeah. voice. Yeah, exactly. That was very funny. <laughs> but yeah, you need to chalk that down. Yeah. Okay, what are we talking about tonight? Well, before we talk about our episodes tonight, we've got, a, we've got an email to address from Dave. Email. Yep, from Dave McElvenny. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dave. How are you? Dave is writing us in on Man of Screen Podcast Episode 51. Where we talked about Jimmy the Kid and the girl who hired Superman. So, All right. Dave writes. I remember those. Yeah, I remember those episodes too. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. Once again, I must agree with you that Jimmy the Kid is a better episode of The Adventures of Superman than The Girl Who Hired Superman. But I certainly enjoyed hearing you and Bob Fisher discuss both of them. Yay. I don't think anybody would debate that Jimmy the Kid is better than The Girl Who Hired Superman. I had a completely non-1950s thought about Jimmy the Kid. I think this took place before it became a widespread Silver Age trope that every character in the Superman stories had at least an exact double somewhere. So I wondered why neither Jimmy nor Kid Collins expressed any concern that each was an exact physical duplicate of the other. If I met someone who looked exactly like me, my first question would be, are you somehow related to me? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I realize these came later. Patty and Kathy Lane of the Patty Duke Show were cousins. Samantha Stevens and Serena of Bewitched were cousins. Jeannie and her sister of I Dream of Jeannie were, well, sisters. In the earlier episode, The Face and the Voice, Boulder had to have plastic surgery and voice training to duplicate Superman. I can imagine, in the much later decompressed storytelling of comics, there would be a year-long story arc in which we eventually learn that Jimmy and Kid Collins were, in fact, twins separated at birth, with Jimmy adopted <laughs> by the Olsons and Kid Collins adopted by Crooks, like the Superman is from Superman number 137, which Bob covered recently on his Superman Forever podcast. Woohoo! Thanks for the plug, Dave. Speaking of twins, yes, I was a little annoyed at the end of uh, that Batman and Robin serial when suddenly the villain had a twin brother that came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's okay. Yes, that was pretty crummy, but but anyway, that's Batman. That's that Batman. Batman. So back to Dave. As for back Lois being the first to realize that Collins was an imposter, here's my thought: the both Clark and Perry, to a certain extent, Jimmy might have been acting strangely, but mostly within the normal range. Remember how Jimmy play-acted being a hard-boiled detective in Semi-Private Eye? Acting like a gangster might have seemed along the same lines to Clark and Perry. Perhaps for the story he wrote about Superman blowing out the forest fire. Lois, on the other hand, would certainly not have thought Jimmy's wolf whistle or calling her honey were within his normal, if sometimes odd, range of behavior. So her suspicions would have been higher. Good point. Yep. 
In any event, once again, I think we see Jack Larson having a grand time with this episode and in his dual role really does show his often underrated talent as an actor. As for the hidden closet with Superman's spare costume, like Bob, I keep my spare Superman costume in a secret closet too. But, <laughs> it, but I do it to help protect Superman's secret identity, whoever that is. And I suppose Clark Kent does too. So that, if someone should ever discover the real Superman's costume, he can point out that many men keep a Superman costume in a hidden closet. And point to guys like us as evidence. Exactly. We, we stand ready to help Superman keep his secret, like a vast army of Pete Rosses. Absolutely. Ugh, great references. They are. Is Pete Ross, has he made an appearance yet in Rebirth? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. We haven't seen a whole lot of young Clark yet in Rebirth. Well, we don't actually know who or what young Clark is in Rebirth yet. That's true. We the still, one we now have. We still don't know why there were two Supermen, two Loises. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. But love the Pete Ross references. Love the Pete Ross reference. Yes. Now, Dave continues. The Girl Who Hired Superman is, as you pointed out, a lesser episode. But I certainly had a good time listening to your take on it. (laughs) I have my doubts that Mara Van Cleaver has really learned her lesson completely by the end of the story. But I imagine she may learn many humbling lessons working as a copy girl of the planet. Looking forward to your next episode. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. Another great email from Dave McElvenny. Yes, I... It definitely is. Yeah, and I think he's right that this was, Jimmy the Kid was before the, uh, everybody got a Kandorian double. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think so. Although, where are we here? With This one was 57, 56? Uh, see, that one was, what, that was season four, so that would have been filmed in 55. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they've done the Kandor duplicates of everybody yet. I think that is a late 50s, early 60s trope. So, yeah, way to go. But there was a story, I believe it was Superman 93, in which Jimmy had, did have a double. Mm. Where this, where Jimmy the Kid was very loosely based on, at least the concept was used. Oh, okay. Man, that sounded like research. Be careful. I know, I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> uh. All right, so let's be, before we hurt ourselves any further, <laughs> yes. let's take a quick break, play a promo, and then we'll come back with The Town That Wasn't. Ooh, Hang sounds around, spooky. Folks. It does sound spooky. <laughs> but it's really not. <laughs> no, it's not. My name is Bob Fisher, and I host a podcast called Superman Forever Radio. In every episode, I'll take an aspect of this character's long history and talk about it, from 1938 to the present day. From the comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, Superman has been part of my life for over 50 years. And if you'd like to know why, join me for each and every episode of Superman Forever Radio. So point your favorite podcatcher to Superman Forever Radio. That's Superman Forever Radio. Supermanforever.com Alright, welcome back, folks. Going to head right into our coverage of The Town That Wasn't. Original broadcast date was March 21st, 1957. Writer was Harry Gerstad. I believe this is the first episode that Harry Gerstad has written. He has directed a bunch heading up to this point. And director was George Blair, who is... I feel like I haven't called his name in a while. It has been a while. I think it's been a while. So maybe he wasn't around for season four. Anyway. But he's back yes. for the town that wasn't. He is. Guest cast included Charles H. Gray as Officer Fanning. Dick Elliott as Judge Frank Plummer. Philip Barnes as Rogers, the fur truck driver. 
Terry Frost, who did both Kirk Allen serials as a henchman and did an, did one previous Adventures of Superman episode. Mm. I want to say it was my friend Superman as Officer Hanlon. I think he was Spud. Michael Garrett as Mr. Harris, the medicine truck driver. Jack Littlefield as Joe, the diner owner. And Frank O'Connor as Peters. And now for our synopsis, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. The world's largest source of Superman information on the web. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) A truckload of medicinal drugs has disappeared mysteriously on an open highway. I can't understand it. A valuable load of drugs disappears, and two days later, there's not a trace of the truck or the driver. Looks to me like more than a simple case of hijacking. Well, the drug company agrees with you. They've got a warrant out for the driver's arrest. They believe that he drove the truck to a prearranged spot to meet with his accomplices. However, Kent still believes it was a hijacking job. Where's Clark, incidentally? He's been out all day tracking down a lead. Well, if Kent doesn't get back soon, we'll have to go to press without his story. I have a hunch we won't get any story until someone tries to sell those drugs. Well, it's about time he got back. Did you get anything? Not a thing, and I can't understand it. I can understand where a plane could be missing in a flight, but not a truck on an open highway. Superman was out. He couldn't find anything suspicious. On top of everything else, we're shorthanded. Jimmy won't be back from his vacation for another week. Well, I consider that the only break we've had so far. As the young man is driving, police officer Fanning pulls him over. What is it, pal? A fire or a wedding? This is the highway. I was only doing 35 in a 45-mile zone. Yeah, you were also doing 35 right through the town of Ackport. A town? I didn't see any town. No, of course you didn't at the speed you were going. Are you going to give me a ticket? And never hear from you again? Nothing doing. You turn your car around and follow me. As Fanning and Olsen arrive in the tiny village... So this is Zach Port. No wonder I didn't see it. Don't talk like that in front of the judge. He's sensitive about our town. You got a judge here? Who elected him, you? Just step inside. Now, let's see, young man. The arresting officer's got you marked down here going 40 miles an hour. Sure, I was doing 40, but that's below the highway limit. Well, the town of Ackwood's clearly posted 25 miles an hour. Your whole town is only 100 yards long, and by the time anyone sees the sign, they're out of town. Now the signage of Ackport has nothing to do with it. Our citizens are still entitled to the protection of the traffic laws. The fine is uh, $5 for a mile for every mile above the speed limit. That'd be uh, $75 or 75 days in jail. $75? That's highway robbery. Plus $5 for insulting the court, making a grand total of $80. Now, do I hear any further outbursts? There you go. Next case. I have a James Olson here, Your Honor. I clocked him at 35. All right. I'm no public accountant, but I know my tables are five. That's 50 bucks. Even.
How are we doing, Frank? Well, that's 130 bucks just now. That makes uh, $640 so far today. Well, not bad. We're averaging close to $1,000 a day in fines alone. Yes, and that truck of chemicals we grabbed, another 10000 net. Hey, we've been in this spot almost a week now. Don't you think it's time we move the town? Oh, today so. I think it's safe to stay here for a while. You know, this is the sweetest setup we've ever had. You don't even have to use a gun and the suckers pay up almost <laughs> willingly. <laughs> you know, if it keeps up as good as this, we'll be able to buy a legitimate town and do this whole thing legally. Judge Frank Plummer is finding another speeder, $75 plus another five for insulting the judge. Having given the judge $50, Jimmy is forced to return to Metropolis. Well, what are you doing here? Your vacation still has five days to go. I ran out of money. I thought you had it all budgeted. I did, but I ran into an expense that wasn't in my budget. Oh, anything happened to the car? It sure did. It got caught going 35 miles an hour in a 25-mile zone. Huh. Serves you right for speeding. But I wasn't speeding. In fact, I was doing 10 miles under the highway limit, but I passed these four little wooden buildings that they called the town, and they fined me 50 bucks for speeding within the town limits. Well, I wouldn't feel too badly about it, Jimmy. Some few small towns are speed traps, but the majority are just trying to protect their citizens. I want to do a story about that phony speed trap. I took some pictures. No, you don't. You don't use this paper to work off your private grudges. That's lesson number one for a newspaper man. And I'm surprised that you hadn't learned it before this. I want you to work on this truck thing with Kent. Chief? Yes? I, um... Uh... Uh, all right. Here's an advance. Thanks, Chief. Come on, Junior. Oh, Olson. Yes, sir? You better let Kent drive. <laughs> Rogers, the truck driver hauling valuable furs, television tubes, and other disposable items, which are clearly related, has been caught in the same trap as Mr. Harris. Sure does my heart good to see a man enjoy the food the way you do. Hey, what's a cop doing by my truck? Anything wrong, officer? Having a lot of accidents lately, mainly on account of faulty brakes. We have a strict law about that here. Oh, there's nothing wrong with those. I just had them tested before I set out. Sorry, fellow. We'll have to check them ourselves. It looks like you have a loose air hose under there. In the meantime, as Judge Plummer and Officer Fanning discuss plans to hijack an armored car tomorrow night, Hanlon tells them of Lois Lane's asking questions about the missing vehicles. Let me think, miss. All I wanted to know is if you've seen either of the trucks or the drivers I described to you. It's rather hard to say. I got a lot of truckers in here. Kind of the prices, you know. I'll bet you do. But think hard, Joe. This is very important. Well, now that I think of it, this fellow looks a little familiar. I think he was in here sometime last week. But it couldn't have been last week. He started out three days ago. Can I help you, miss? Oh, well, I hope so, officer. I was looking for a lead on the disappearance of those trucks. Were you now? What's your interest in the case? You with the police? Well, no, I'm a reporter with the Daily Planet. How do I know you are? Well, I have my press card. Now, just a minute. I really am a reporter. Well, you can call the Metropolis Daily Planet. Yes, we'll do that, but in the meantime, you look a bit suspicious to me. We'll just have to detain you until we can check you out. Purely routine. Well, I suppose there's nothing I can do about it. But you're going to look awfully silly when you find out I'm telling the truth. We have a motto in our department, miss. Better to be silly than sorry. In an effort to keep the star reporter at bay, the false policemen of Ackport have placed her in prison with Rogers and Harris. 
Metropolis Police Inspector Bill Henderson has no leads in the hijacking, and Perry White is worried. Now, what are you so worried about? This gang, if it is one, will slip up sooner or later. Well, it better be sooner. I'm worried about Lois. Lois? What has she got to do with it? Well, she went off to investigate on her own. She was supposed to phone in here every day. She didn't call yesterday or today. Hmm, that sounds serious. Have you tried to find her at all? Has Kent? No, I don't want Kent knowing about this. He'll be chasing off, too. That's why I called you. Well, of course, I'll do everything I can. Uh, what highway was she traveling? Highway 53, and when she phoned me, she was in Dartsville. Good day, gentlemen. Who phoned you from Dartsville? An old aunt of mine. An old aunt, hey? Then why didn't you want me to hear about her? Kent, you are an eavesdropper. And what good reporter is? Now, come on, Chief, give. What are you trying to hold out on me? All right, I'm worried about Lois. She went out trying to dig up a lead on the missing trucks. She was supposed to phone in here every day, and I haven't heard from her since day before yesterday. You mean from Dartsville? Yes. She's probably somewhere past there now on Highway 53. Right, can't. Hmm? Are you going to look for Lois? Well, naturally. Do you mind if I go along? Oh, I have a police car outside, but I'd rather not use it. It might alarm whoever it is we're looking for. Well, the fact of the matter is my car's in the shop getting some new tires. Jimmy's been driving me, but I don't think you'd mind driving you either. Fine. Okay. Okay. Yes, sir? Uh, now that you know, you might as well go along. And if Henderson finds anything, I want a story. You can use one of the company's cars. Henderson, Clark Kent, and Jimmy Olsen drive to the area to find the same spot where Jimmy had been pulled over and taken to Ackport. Oh, why stop here? I'm trying to recognize the countryside. Well, we're four miles outside of Dartsville. And the gasoline attendant positively identified Lois, so we know we're on the right track. Big deal. Well, if she didn't stop at the next town, she's somewhere between Dartsville and there. That's right. What I'm wondering is, what are we doing stopping here right in the middle of nowhere? This is where I got it last time. Ackport. There isn't any such town. Tell that to the judge. Well, that's exactly what I hope to do. Huh? We have a police official with this time, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'd like to see that joker try to stop me now. Well, if that's the case, let's get started. Wait a minute. I think there's something funny going on here. I'd swear this is where Ackport was. Well, so you made a mistake. Now, come on, let's get back in the car and get going. I couldn't have made a mistake. I took this highway, and it was about four miles outside of Dartsville. But a town just doesn't get up and move away. Mr. Kent, Inspector Henderson, come over here. What is it? This is the rock I tripped over when the officer pushed me into the courtroom. What officer? What courthouse? Now, wait just a minute, Bill. Are you sure, Jim? Sure, I'm sure. Right here, the courthouse was right here. You could be right at that, Bill. A lot of footprints around here. Yeah. And a few bent nails. Funny place to find nails, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Looks as though somebody took something apart here. Something like a town? Ridiculous. You don't take a town apart. Don't be too sure of that, Bill. I know this is where the town of Ackport was. Well, if that's the case, we're dealing with some pretty unusual crooks. And they may have Lois. Well, let's get going. All right, but let me drive. If any cops stop us, let me do the talking. Come on, Philip. Clark, who was driving, Henderson and Jimmy are now in front of Judge Plummer for speeding. I have a speeder here, Your Honor. You idiot. You're supposed to be watching out for the armored car. But it's not due until tonight. We can't afford to take a chance on missing it. I told you not to fool with speeders today. But these guys were really speeding. I guess I just got carried away. Well, all right. Well, let's get it over with quick. <clears throat> which, uh, which one of you was driving? I was, Your Honor. How fast was he going, officer? Sixty, Your Honor. Mm hmm. Your name? Clark Kent, sir. Kent. Well, young man, I'm going to make an example of you. 
$150 or 90 days. Fair enough. Only I haven't got that much cash. Will you take a check? Certainly not. I didn't think you would. So I guess I'll have to take the 90 days. Well, now, uh, uh, maybe some of your friends could uh, help you out. Oh, I wouldn't dream of imposing on them, sir. No, sir. Officer, take me away. Oh, no, no. Wait a minute. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe we can make some arrangements. Uh, how much do you have? Why, Your Honor, aren't you ashamed trying to corrupt justice? No, sir. I'm prepared to pay the penalty. I'll take my 90 days in jail. Now, hold on, Your Honor. This has gone far enough, sir. I'm a police officer, and we're here on a case. Police officer? Yes, sir. May I see your credentials? Certainly, sir. Oh, seems to be in order. However, I reckon you all better remain here till we make a check. Impersonating an officer is a very serious offense. Now, look here, now sir. Just hold real still, all of you. Come on up here, little one. Cop, gun on the desk. You again? It's getting to seem like we're old friends, isn't it? Uh, what does he mean? It's one of the speeders we picked up last week. Why, you stupid fool, I told you not to bring in repeaters. But he wasn't driving, I didn't even see him. Uh, you're doing fine, picking up repeaters and policemen. Now, we gotta get rid of all of them. Just what kind of a crazy town is this? Now, there's something funny going on here, all right. I think all the sane people in this town are in jail. And all the loonies are running around free. Yeah, last night they blindfolded us and then took us for an automobile ride. And then just returned us to the same cells. Now, what do you suppose that was for? I don't know, but I have a hunch. I think this is the same cell, but I bet it's not in the same place. What do you mean? Well, I think this whole town is completely phony and portable. They just move it from one place to another. That's good guessing, miss. Too bad you won't get a chance to tell anyone about it. Don't be too sure. I'll be missed, and I'll be found. Clark, Jimmy, and Henderson are locked in a prison cell near Lois and the truck drivers as Judge Plummer and his men prepare to go after the armored car. Clark manages to let himself out while locking Henderson and Jimmy inside. This gives Kent a chance to work freely as Superman. The Man of Steel brings the police car carrying Joe and officers Fanning and Hanlon to a screeching halt. We're doing over 65 miles an hour. Don't you know we have speed laws around here? We're the police. Well, in that case, we'll talk to the judge. And I hope you enjoy your new home. You uh, think they'll be safe in there? Well, I'm not so sure. They've had a lot of practice taking that jail apart and carrying it around. Please, Inspector, put away your gun. And just let them come out. Just for a minute. Boy, this is something I'd like to see. Well, anyway, Inspector, I'll send some of your boys to get you. Oh, just a minute, Superman. Yes, Miss Lane. Whatever became of Clark Kent? Well, he must have gotten a lift back to town. You know how he is when there's a story to be written. Excuse me. Come on, Jim. Let's try to beat him back to Metropolis. Who, Superman? Of course not, silly. Mr. Kent. Nothing doing. We're going to take it nice and easy. Don't you know that some of these towns are speed traps? <laughs> Come on, Jim. All right. So, Bob, what do you think of this one? Flying to his next adventure from left to right with the bizarro S on his chest. Yes, he was. <laughs> That's because he was returning. He was returning. He returns from left to right. He goes, yes, he does. He goes on his adventures from right to left. Right to left. And, he's, yep, when he's, he's going He's truly home. going around the world to the left. Yes, he is. Uh, 
Which does bring up an interesting point. Oh, but that was black and white. They couldn't reuse that. Okay, never mind. When he was taking the blind girl around the world or the crippled girl around the with a birthday letter around the world, he did that from left to right. Yes, he yes he yes. did. Yes. However, and then in the in the other one, around the world with Superman, he went the they other went way. The other way, right? Very interesting. Uh, the town that wasn't. Uh, oh, I like this episode. I enjoyed this episode quite a bit, actually. It's it's a good little mystery story. It's you know it almost harkens back to the second season, or a little bit maybe talkative dummy type, a little mystery to right. solve of the first season without the violence. There's just no violence per se. No endless kidnapping and holding them in a jail cell. But no, I liked the episode. I think uh, Jack Larson, I like the fact that this time it was Clark and Jimmy together and Lois out on her own. Right. And Lois being a reporter this time actually stayed behind and came up with a an angle she wanted to follow. Yeah, no, yeah, she did. Overall, I like this episode quite a bit, actually. Yeah, I do too. This is one of those episodes that I, you know, I kind of randomly recorded, recorded onto a videotape. Mm-hmm. So I know that I've known this one quite well, and I've always uh, always found this to be a fun one. And I used to practice that even even in high into high school. That little trip that uh, Jimmy does on the plank, he does it twice, maybe even three times, where he uh, trips when the cop was first taking him into right. the courthouse, and then later when him and Kent and Henderson are there looking around and he does the little trip. You need to practice that? I do that just fine without practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to practice it because it's an obvious little bit he's doing there, right? and there's a way to do that. And if you go back to even Red Skelton, it's the same bit. Dick Van Dyke used it, where you can almost get your one toe on your own heel and kind of cause that little thing it's a it's a fun little bit and yeah i used to do that all the time i used to practice i used to think if i ever made it to the tonight show i might do that going up that little step you had to do when you're shaking hands with johnny right i might do that as a comic bit but johnny quit before i got there so you see you see i used to practice uh, not tripping oh okay. so i didn't become a comic bit i see okay well see there you go what do you think of this? You like this episode? Yeah, I, right? I, I do like this episode. I, I'd also, you know, kind of hope uh, the judge will give me a recommendation on moving men. <laughs> you know, because I mentioned this before, I'm kind of, I'm at the moment looking for a new place to live, mm-hmm. and eventually I'm going to have to pack all this stuff. But not only, but, on, but not, the whole town, right? Not only have they packed all their stuff and their furniture, they pa- they have they brought their house too. Yeah, bring a whole town. Move it over here. Stick yeah. it there. It's like it's like packing all your crap and bringing your house too. Mm-hmm. I will not be bringing my house. No, no. You'll be moving to a newer house, a different house. It may not be newer. Yeah, it'll be a different house. New to me. It'll be new to me. Right. I will not be disassembling the house I'm living in and bringing it with me. No, that was that would be unless it's a trailer. And it's not. You know, and it's not so. But one thing I would have liked to have seen this episode do, and I kind of noticed that when I watched it for this episode, I would have mm. liked to have seen them keep the mystery going. I mean, it was a mystery to Clark and Jimmy and all them, Lois and all them. But not to the viewer. But not to the viewer. Right after Jimmy leaves the courtroom, they start discussing it. Right. So I would have liked to have seen that left in the dark a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because... I could see that, so we wouldn't know exactly what's going Maybe until they actually catch Lois. Right. 
I mean, Matt, that should have probably been when we first find out something fishy's going on. When maybe is when they capture Lois. Right. Hold it that long. They could have held it that long. I mean, and we'll get into we'll get into this later. But the small towns being speed traps is a real thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I don't know if they were in wherever Metropolis is. Well, they're not they're, in Metropolis at the moment. Right, but they're pretty close. Right, they're within driving of of Metropolis. Well, he, but yeah, in, in particularly in the south, there used to be a lot of small town speed traps. Right. Now, even even here, you're on a two lane highway. Limit is posted at fifty five. You see that village of whatever sign, and it's thirty. Right. And there's usually a cop hanging right inside that sign. Yeah, boy. Yeah. I I can haul ass down the throughway at eighty miles an hour, and and nobody bothers me. All the tickets I've gotten in my life, I've gotten in those little dinky towns. Maybe you'll learn a lesson, then, young man. I I have. Okay then. I roll through some of these towns on momentum sometimes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, in, into the episode. So, episode starts with the uh, diner owner. Kind of uh, flashing the steak signal a little bit. He sees the truck coming and he puts the sign out. 50 cent steak. Yeah, you could lure me in with a 50 cent steak. Yeah, boy. I'd like a steak. I haven't had a steak in a while. Yeah. We had we, we had steak today for dinner. We had a nice London broil today for dinner. Did you really? Yeah. Lucky you. That's very nice. So. I had chicken. So It's unclear at first why this random opening is important. But Perry explains it to us almost immediately. Mm-hmm. With the uh, truck missing the drugs. Right. I thought it was a good opening. It was. I liked it right away. Because right know, away you're asking questions. What's going on? Yeah, What's going on? Why is this important? Because it's just a random mm-hmm. thing to show us at the beginning. Exactly. So this truck must it must be the one carrying the missing drugs. Everybody except Clark seems to think it's, a, it's an inside job. But Clark is the first one to suggest hijacking. And he comes in and he's all frustrated. Because apparently he was out of Superman looking for the trucks. Yes. And so what's been the Daily Planet's big break in this investigation so far? Do you know what that is? 50 cent steaks. Yeah, and that Jimmy's away on vacation. That's the only, <laughs> that's the <laughs> right. only break that he's had. <laughs> right. Jimmy's on vacation. That's true. The big break in the case was because Jimmy was on vacation. Yeah, so he can't. I guess if he's away, he can't screw anything up. Until he falls right in the middle of it. Right. Well, yeah. Here is Jimmy. Now we see him right in the next scene here, uh, about to ruin his vacation, and uh, he's traveling down the highway, and he's about to be pulled over. You know. And you know what I like about this this uh, this season now of episodes? We're getting 1957 model cars. These are really beautiful cars. We're starting yes, to really look look good. Uh, the cars look really good. The little fins, the Dodge. We're starting to. You know, they're not as big as they're about to get next year. But I really like the fact that we're seeing 56 and 57 model cars. Right. Yeah, 50, 50s cars are fun to look at. Oh, they're gorgeous. These days, every car looks alike. Yeah, but no, in the 50s, every car was unique. It was beautiful. But I will say this police car is looking pretty plain. Yeah, it's just a black and white. Yeah. And even even it has nice little fin right. things starting to point back there. But, you know, like there's, no, there's no really... It just says police on little small letters. So maybe this should be our first clue that something is not quite right about this police car. Right. So J- Jimmy thinks he's uh, doing 10 under the limit, but he didn't see the town he sped through, obviously. And I don't care how fast you're driving. If it's a town worth seeing, you're not going to miss it. You're going to see some kind of civil, some kind of building. So Jimmy is taken back to Ackport, which is basically a strip mall. Barely that. Yeah, if yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy knows something... Uh, 
knows something is wrong here, and he's still mouthing off to the cop. I don't know if he's just angry or if, or if he's realizing something is wrong. <laughs> but he's very dismissive of Ackport. And as we as he goes in, this is where he trips over the rock. You know, you might not think that's important early on, but it does become important later. Yeah, at first you think, you know, I guess if you're watching it for the very first time and you don't know what's going on, you would think that's just Jimmy being clumsy right. and not, you know, that it's not a big deal, but it, it does become a big deal. Right. So here we come into the courtroom and here's the guy screaming at the judge. And he may, and while he's screaming, he's making some very good points. By the time you see it, you're past it. So this guy is stuck paying $80 or risking 75 days in jail, which sounds excessive for speeding. Yeah, that's pretty steep. But he was going really fast. Yeah, he was. I think the eighty dollars would probably what you pay now. I don't know. I haven't gotten a speeding ticket in a while, and I don't plan to. So I bet five per mile over is still pretty accurate. Yeah, fine. If it's like first time, yeah, probably. But seventy-five days in jail is way out of proportion. Yeah. But that, <laughs> but that, I guess that's the way to make them pay up. So Jimmy just shows up and pays and gets the hell out of there. But unfortunately, vacation's over now. It is. Vacation is over. Don't exactly know where Jimmy was going on his vacation, but it's over. Wasn't going to be Ackport. No, it was not going to be Ackport. And so after Jimmy leaves, the cop mentions they're making about $1,000 a day hauling in speeders. In 1956 money. In today's money, that's almost $9,000. Not a bad day. That is not a bad day at all. And, uh, you know, this is kind of where they let the cat out of the bag about what's going on here. So we now know it's a scam, and, they, and the judge mentions the chemical truck. So Clark is right. It's a hijacking. So the next thing we see is at the planet, Jimmy is looking defeated, which most people I know do look after vacation. They look very defeated on that first day back to work. Perry is unsympathetic about Jimmy getting caught in a speed trap. But Jimmy calls it just four wooden buildings that they call a town, so... Clark isn't really sympathizing with Jimmy either, as he's just saying that the small towns are speed traps. But I could definitely sympathize with Jimmy, as like I mentioned. I've been tagged in some of these little towns, too. And uh, here comes out, and now Perry shows a little bit of sympathy toward Jimmy. I thought this was a nice gesture, actually, Perry. um, You know, advancing Jimmy a little money on his paycheck. Is, Is Perry paying Jimmy under the table? It's hard to say. No, I think he does it legit, but this time, here's a little to help you. Or the, or I don't he, think he always pays him like that, no. <laughs> or he just, or did he just carry around the daily uh, planet petty cash in his pocket? No. no. I think this was, <laughs> yeah. a, this was a total Perry White gesture. Yes, yeah, so he's giving him some money to uh, get through. He'll be taking that. He'll, I'm sure he'll be taking that out of Jimmy's next, next paycheck just to get Jimmy through the week. So Perry has some sympathy. Some sympathy. And uh, here comes another truck up to Ackport. He's, uh, again, lured in by the sign of uh, 50 cent steaks, which I guess in 1950 is a pretty good price. Yeah, I would think so. And with their steak, they get a free coffee, which I'm not sure if the... Yeah, I think even in 1950s, yeah, 50 you're cents. not going to find a steak for 50 cents. Not, not the size steak this guy was eating. Yeah, that was a real piece of meat there. Yeah. So, you know, be at least a buck ninety nine. I'd, I'd even drink the free coffee. Probably. Now we're going to see how this uh, little racket works. The uh, the cafe owner, Joe, lures the truck drivers in with a steak. And you see him hit a little button there. And that kind of that alerts the jail guard. That's Officer Hanlon, I believe. And 
He's reading, you know, how threatening can this guy be? He's, I think he's sitting there reading a comic book. Yeah, he's, I think it's a comic book, too. I just wish they had shown, I tried several times to see the cover. <clears throat> yeah, I and, did, too. Uh, I couldn't figure it out, and I didn't have time to look up online if anybody else had figured it out. But I don't think they show us enough information. Yeah, there's no way to tell what that is. No, and I think he's holding, uh, I think the back cover is folded back. It's folded over. over the Over the top of the front cover, so... Uh, you can't even, you can't tell. So, uh, but I'm imagining it's some kind of DC comic. Oh, sure. So apparently the uh, first truck driver uh, got a bad break as his truck was impounded for bad breaks. That punches. Well, I think it was an interesting little setup that when the driver comes in, gets the free steak, while the guy is talking to him, he buzzes the back guy, the cop, and lets him know, hey, we do have a driver here. Right. But it's only after the guy talks to him, the, the, counter guy the guy the cook the whatever the i don't want to call him a chef but the guy who is the diner the, the cafe guy, owner we'll call him. the cafe owner guy it's after he talks to the truck driver and finds out what he's actually got in his truck right, that he buzz- that he buzzes him again a second time and that's when they put the act on right and the cop goes out and says you're something wrong with your brakes and you're gonna i'm gonna have to put you in jail and take all your stuff <clears throat> and I'm thinking, well, no, they can't do that in 1950s. No, you cannot do that. You, can't you can only do in... it now. No, you can't. You can't throw a guy in jail for bad breaks. No, but you can do it now for suspicion of stuff, particularly drugs. The laws are very... Um, right, but that's not going to be discovered by uh, some random sheriff's deputy outside a diner. You never know. He might need a truck full of drugs. Yeah. Well, these, we know these guys do. Yeah. Which is what he's, this guy wasn't caring, was this, this guy wasn't caring. They've already taken the drug yeah, the dr- truck. the truck in the opening was the drugs. This guy was carrying furs and TV tubes. Now, I heard you say that in the synopsis. Now, I heard in the show TV tubes, and so I thought he just said various stuff like, and, but I never heard him say furs. So you heard him say furs? Did you actually hear them say furs? Or are you just going on the, no, on the synopsis? No, I didn't, I didn't necessarily hear him say furs, but I believe in the, in the, Next scene at the planet, Perry says a truck full of precious furs is, well, had gone ah, missing. Okay. And it's the same truck. So this yeah. guy's truck is carrying a combination. Because it was very funny. About whether, what do they have in common? Right. They, have, <clears throat> those two, they just seem random items. Well, that's what I think this guy was doing. And I think it, it, that's not unusual for the time period and maybe even today. My father drove 18-wheelers. Right. And uh, uh, he would often pick a load up, you know, and the drivers sometimes will show up particularly if you work for a big company right. you're assigned uh you know you show up for work you're assigned a, a, a haul right and you take the cab and you plug it in and you pick up that trailer and you take it to destination where you more than likely pick up at that destination another trailer full of stuff coming back this way right and you'll probably use the same cab right yeah that you drove up you might not even necessarily know what you're carrying well, only if it's on the manifest. Right. But you're right. It would be sometimes it could be vague, and the driver may or may not know. Particularly the, if you work for a large company. Right. Yeah. Because I, I knew someone who worked for a you know decent sized trucking company up here. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't deal with the trailer at all. They they right. they, they were staff at the uh, at the wherever they were picking stuff up that they would deal with the trailer and load it onto the truck. Right. That he would go and uh, he'd have to basically sit in his cab while the trailer is dealt with. Well, they do it all, right? Particularly if it's a union 
house right because uh drivers and the loaders uh they have different jobs different right. different uh different things uh a driver's a driver you know right, he yeah. doesn't do a whole lot of particularly 18 wheelers right and uh, I'm going to tell you, that was actually kind of cool as, as a quick little side note. I remember being eight, maybe nine or ten and getting to go on a winter trek up north through Pennsylvania with my father once in an 18-wheeler. Right. It's very impressive if you're a little kid and you're up in the top of that big cab and uh, all the people that used to, you know, pull the little air horn, make you blow the horn. Right. And, and that, that was very cool, stopping at diners and, you know. That's a, a fun memory. I have a uh, a few comics actually from that trip. Right. So, but yeah, fun. And that had to have happened nineteen sixty, sixty one, maybe sixty two. Right. So yeah, bring it back, Bob. Bring it back. All right. Well. So anyway, like like we mentioned, they had uh, bad brakes, and this second driver is uh, objecting because he had his brakes checked before he set out, and he knows they're fine. Mm-hmm. But there was very little he can do. And we don't see him again for a few minutes. And uh, then we go back to the planet where Perry is upset that they haven't done the police's job for them yet. (laughs) And uh, Jimmy and Clark leave to go do something. And uh, Lois has an idea. She is going to check every diner and gas station to find out where the trucks have disappeared. It could take months. It could. But she uh, she, apparently she's on to something. And as we know, and we know what the something is. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy still hasn't you know, put this together with uh, his tiny town. So <laughs> Getting close, though. He is getting close. And apparently this is going to take months. So now the town is about to... Uh, there's going to be an armored car heist. And they're willing to move the town for that. Now this is where it's kind of unclear. And I'm going to get to this in a minute. When was the town moved? Because it seemed like they were discussing moving the town while Lois was in the cafe. They moved it after Lois was arrested that night. After they put her in the jail cell that night. Right. Then they moved the town. Then they moved the town at night. That's what I was getting because when they went to that scene where the two guys in the jail and they were all trying to put it together. Right. What they thought. And they, the two, one of the guys said, yeah, they blindfolded us, drove us around, then brought us back. What's that all about? Right. And that's you know, when Lois. And this is the first time I put, I put that together that. He was just mentioning that, reminding her of it. For some reason, I'd always kind of, they were telling her about that. Mm, mm-hmm. But but no, now that I think about what she says, this might be the same cell, but it's right. not in the same place. Exactly. Exactly. So they're they're all kind of putting it together. Right. And yeah, so that, 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 there. Right. That. Now, uh, <laughs> before we get to that, I just want to comment on the, uh, on the diner. Yes. So Lois is finding some holes in Joe's story immediately. Mm-hmm. As he mentioned, uh, one of the truckers was in there last week. Well, it couldn't have been last week. It just left three days ago. Right. But, you know, they can. you can kind of shoot a hole in that, too, because I'm sure that wasn't the first run he's ever made in his life. No, and he could have stayed there the day before, the week, right. or whatever. Right. So here mm-hmm. come the two cops. They're going to detain Lois on suspicion of something. And we already know she's suspicious of them, but... Even though it wouldn't have done any good here, I don't understand why Lois stopped digging for her press card. You know, it's, it's standard procedure. You say right. you're a reporter. Anyone can say they're a reporter. You know, what- Well, because I think by that point it dawned on her it didn't matter. They weren't going to let her go. They weren't going to believe her anyway. Right. They bring her in, uh, stick her in jail, and, it, and we're back on the planet. And a couple of days have passed because Henderson is telling Perry he has no leads. 
I think he said Lois hasn't called in at least two, maybe three days. And he's worried. He doesn't want Clark to chase after Lois. But I do love the moment where Clark is standing at the door listening and comes in just at the right moment. Right. So who called you from Dartsville? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Clark catches Perry in a lie here and the chief has to confess. <laughs> so what do you think? Was Clark planning to take an entourage with him? Well, uh, say say again. Was Clark what about the entourage? Was Clark planning on having uh, people go with him to look for Lois? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Right. But you never know. In this time period, Clark did a lot of the legwork until it was obvious we needed Superman. Right. So it may not have bothered him at all that Henderson and Jimmy were going to go with him on this. Because when you think about it, he spent so much time in this show trying to get rid of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, you know, you almost said that he was going to leave and uh, try to run off on his own before. Uh, I actually believe it was Henderson who stopped him, who said he wanted to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Would you mind if I tagged along? Right. right. So, so apparently Clark's car was in the shop for new tires. So Jimmy is going to drive a Daily Planet vehicle. So. Jimmy a funny little crack there at the end. Uh, Olsen better let uh, <laughs> better let Kent drive. drive. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy will speed by accident. As we're going to find out, Clark probably did his speeding on purpose. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy is, uh, although I don't think he did let Kent drive. At least not at first. I thought Jimmy, who was driving at first? Yeah, I'm trying to think when they pulled up. I think it was Jimmy was driving. I think driving so, too, that Jimmy was driving. Until they got to that place where then Jimmy pulls over and was trying to tell them this is where Ackport was. Right. And then Clark took over from there. Yeah, so, so here we go. Remember early on when Jimmy tripped over that stone? Mm-hmm. Oops. And But before that, I believe Henderson had the line of the season. But a town just doesn't get up and move away. Well, it does if the plot needs it to. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and I'd love to know how they just moved the entire town without <laughs> under the cover of darkness without anybody noticing. Well, I do think that's amazing because if it's the little old judge and the two cops. That's the only three bad guys we see. Right. Oh, 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 and the diner. And the guy in the diner. So there's four of them. And you're telling me that those four keep guard over the three now, you know, prisoners they have. Yeah, there's still four, the two cops. Okay. So they have to somehow get them out of it, fold that town up somehow, move it where they want it, and put it back in spot. Uh, that's, That's a... A really nice thing to do without seeing anything else. Right. I have enough trouble packing my room. Right. But, you know, now in a modern story, TV show, they would actually show them doing it. Right. And it would take weeks for everybody to figure out that they were moving the town around. You can't do this in a night. Maybe you could. Uh, I couldn't. Well, but maybe these four guys could. They have a system. They do. <laughs> you know, like I said, this it just seems like a mammoth effort for these four guys. Mm-hmm. Unless the whole town is on wheels and they're just pulling it down the street. And it's quite a... Well, and they couldn't have taken it that far because... Made it look like they were taking it from one county to another and moving it from one highway over to another because right. when he showed him that map, made it look like, no, 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 we're moving from here, they're coming down over there, so we're going to have to put the town here between Springfield and Dubaplex. Right. So, yeah, hard to tell. All right, so, they obviously they find the evidence that a town uh, was there, because a lot of footprints, and some bent nails. Kenderson is still skeptical that you don't take a town apart. Well, it's not really a town. It's, like a, it's no. a couple of storefronts. Right. 
That's really what it's almost a facade of a town. Right. So you've really got the diner, the little courthouse room, and the jail, which is probably the same little behind the thing. And the rest can fold down and, you know, those guys probably could have knocked through that back wall of the jail without any problem. Right. These guys should have been set crew in show business. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the way they're uh, the way they're taking this thing apart. But would they make nine grand a day doing that? Probably not. No, I don't think so. So obviously, so after all this, Clark wants to do the driving because he's going to do the talking, and he's going to uh, obviously he's going to speed on purpose so the cop uh, pulls him over. Eventually, they f- happen to find figure out where the cop was. <laughs> I don't know how uh, how long they were <laughs> driving, but they found him. And judge wasn't happy. The judge was not happy. He, uh, this cop should have been out looking for the armored car and not arresting, uh, mm-hmm. speeders. What's this judge's name? Uh, plumber. Um, do you have in front of you, has he done other Superman episodes? Uh, I don't have him in front. I don't have that in front of me. Cause I was trying to think today, but I couldn't place him. I couldn't come up with another one where I was sure it was him or it was he. No, I, uh, this may be his only appearance, but he's so familiar. It seems like he was. He's got one of those voices. Exactly. Well, he's got everything about him. Right. He, you know, I just know I've seen him and I just try, but I was trying to put him in another episode of Superman and I just couldn't. So interesting. Okay. All right, let's see. Name is Dick Elliott. That's the actor's name is Dick Elliott. Yeah. He was, which is appropriate. He was kind of a dick in this episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, let's see. But that character, he played, I've seen him before do that very character, though. May not have been a judge, but it might have been a judge. He was in three episodes. Really? He right. was. Let's see, would he be, he was not in the Evil Three. He was not, but he was in season one. Okay, that's where I would have put him back in, in season one. The Wrecker. Well, that was season two. He was in No Holds Barred. Oh, right! He was Sam Bleeker. Yes, no holds barred. We did that. We did that yeah. one. Yes, you're right. I knew okay. he was familiar. Hang on, he did one more. Okay, what's the other one? Is it coming up? We're, we haven't done it yet. We're gonna. It's gonna be our last episode. He's in all the glitters. Yeah, he is. He's the bank uh, guy. When they when Lois and Jimmy fly out the window. Oh, okay. He's got it. Said, I thought only got it. And his secretary and his got us. A female secretary yeah. and him have a little line together. Okay, good, good. Look, this is his second appearance on the show. All right, okay, good. Oh God, no holds barred. Wow, that, no holds barred. That seems like so long ago. Does, doesn't it? That's amazing. Even wow. though it's only been like, might have been almost seven, eight months now. Yeah, and he was the good guy wrestler through there trying yeah, he to make was a, a clean job. Yeah, he was Clark's friend. So we have seen him before. Very good, very good. I thought so. Okay. We are with uh, Clark getting pulled over. Getting pulled over and taken to the judge. Yes, and uh, Clark just look- wants to get arrested. He wants the yes. jail time. Yes, he does. But the judge doesn't want to throw him in the jail because, not necessarily because of the upcoming armored car heist, mm-hmm. but, but because he wants the money. He wants, I don't remember how much it was, but he wants $150. $150, I that's what I thought it was. And meanwhile, while this is going on, Jimmy is doing everything he can to hide his face. <laughs> He's covering it with his hands. He's using his collar to kind of hide himself. Yeah, he's doing a great job back there. Yeah. It's very understated in the background, but, Mm -hmm. you know. But you watch him. You can go back and watch him. Larson is working the whole time back there. He is. And I I love the reaction when uh, realize that Jimmy is there and they picked up a repeater. And the judge just yells at him. Oh, Mm -hmm. you picked up readers and policemen. You know what I thought was weird? 
And I remember even as a kid thinking this, or at some point early on thinking this. What, because the judge I having this, a gun in his desk? Well, that, but I also think that Henderson jumped up too soon. And I often think, why are you telling him you're a cop now? I thought the idea was to get thrown in jail. But now that you've done that, it brought it all quick. Well, I don't necessarily think Clark let anybody else in on his plan. No, he didn't. But but it was also interesting when Henderson came up there. It was almost like Henderson was treating the judge as if he was a real judge. He was. So Henderson at this point does not yet fully realize it's a scam. Clark does obviously realize it's a scam and these guys are scamming everybody. So when Henderson came up, that kind of forced the judge and the the other cop to pull their guns and say, okay, jigs up. Right, yeah. Now take these guys back to jail. But I don't think Henderson really had another play. No, he didn't. He didn't. That's why I think I was surprised that, you know, there was all three of them were on their separate page here ending up at the same place. But Henderson and Clark were not well organized. No. You know, and of course it works as it gets them to jail. And Right. Now, I don't know how traffic court worked in 1956, <laughs> but you don't have to pay the judge right then and there. Uh, uh, but you can. You can. Yeah. You, usually there, they give you a talk. They give you a, if you go, if you go to traffic court. You if know, you go to court. They'll give you um, Everyone has, they'll even do a thing prior. If you'd like to plead guilty and pay your fine, stand in line over there. If you'd like to fight it or contest in any way, you can then get back over there and they'll call your name up. Right, but even. If you're found guilty. Right, even now, if you just want to pay it. Oh, yeah, if you just want to pay it. You still have 30 days to do it. Exactly. I am sure now, I haven't driven in a long time, but I would assume now if a cop gives you a speeding ticket now, it comes with an envelope. And you can, you know, choose to write a check or well, figure you, out somehow. You probably pay it online. Usually, usually the, at least the way it happened last time I got one, and I haven't gotten one in a while, is you get the ticket. It doesn't really say anything on it, but it, you got the option. If you want to plead guilty, you you mail it in, and they basically mail you a bill. Mm, interesting. Or if you want to fight it, show up at this time and date. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But usually the amount of the fine isn't on the ticket interesting because well it's been the 80s since i saw a ticket so of, i wouldn't of course then you of course then you go to court and uh they plead you down and the fine is three times as much exactly but you don't have any points on your license it's a scam it is because you know what looking back on that one i'm gonna just i should have just <laughs> taken the points taking the points Exactly. Pay, pay, pay like the, the eighty dollars speeding ticket instead of exactly. uh, the three hundred dollar littering fine that I paid. Exactly. And then exactly. just got to one of those forty dollar defensive driving classes and got them taken off. Bingo. Six weeks, points are gone. It's a hundred and twenty bucks instead of three hundred and ninety bucks or right. whatever. Oh, but the young they had you. Yes, they did. They had you. I do love the line where the judge says that impersonating an officer is serious business. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess they would know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he said it with a straight face. He was a good little judge. He was. So uh, while they're while this is going on down in the jail, everybody's figuring it all out that the town is portable. And then the judge brings Lois Clark and uh, Inspector Henderson in because they got to keep him there. And now he's he's dropped all pretenses. He's discussing the armored car heist right in front of everybody. Right in front of everybody. Well, he's got guns on him now. Right. So. They're not hiding anything anymore. Mm. So while they're in the jail cell, Clark. But they they just told Superman 
Well, their they, plans. Well, they didn't know that. And two of the three guys in the car, which we'll get to, <laughs> doesn't even know who Superman is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we're true. in season five. <laughs> that's true. That was They're not funny. that far from Metropolis. You're right. That was a pretty funny. Because sometimes people, they'll say, people even in our country far away has heard of the great Superman. And here we got, you know, the two towns over from Metropolis and they don't even know who he is. Clark picks the lock and he can finally function as Superman. Right. I do love love the hilarious moment of him locking everybody else in there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then he says, well, I'll run for help. Yeah. Yeah. He just leaves them there. Yeah. But a great leap. That looks like it must have been a pretty... Uh, stiff springboard because he gets some real height coming off that springboard when he does this little run and jump. To yeah, the, and he had a nice little running start too. Yeah, nice run, long run, hits that springboard and gets some real height and uh, as he wrong. goes off camera. This is the first time we're seeing this shot. Oh yeah, I think this is a new shot. And I don't know if we see this again. I'm trying to think. There might be another time where they use the uh, the same kind of thing. I think once when later when he's using, I don't know, that might be wrong. But I thought it was when Henderson was talking through the telephone line. Maybe. And he's following. And I think we see him do this scene then, too. But Maybe. But either way, it's a really good one. He's got a smile on his face. It's a big jump. Yeah, it's a nice running shot. I like that one. A lot of, lot of hype coming off that board. So. Good takeoff. Good takeoff. So I, I really like that he's going to pull these cops over for speeding. It seems <laughs> yeah. appropriate. Yes, it does. But like I mentioned, only the diner owner knows that this is Superman because the other cops are trying to run Superman over with the car. And they can't figure out why they can't. So he he brings them back to the Ackport jail where they're going to lock them up and uh, in a jail that they're very experienced at taking apart. Mm-hmm. But at least at this time, Henderson is going to uh, stand over them with his gun. He's going to stand there and guard him with his gun. As everybody else leaves. Everybody else is leaving. Although one of the truck drivers is kind of, uh, he wants to uh, get in a fight, I think. Uh, he, yeah. He wants some payback. Yeah. And Jimmy wants to watch. <laughs> well, he wants to drive slowly home. Right. And hopefully these guys got their trucks back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they got their stuff back. But I'm glad to see Superman at least left the cop in charge this time and not like one of the convicts. Yeah. So. I have a real cop in charge this time. Right. But I felt bad for Henderson. I had to sit there and wait by himself. Yeah. I thought somebody would have stayed with him. The truckers. Or, no. And where was the stool? The stool, he had to just stand there. Oh, yeah. The stool is gone. Yeah. So and, sad. And we're just going to ignore the fact that Henderson has no real authority in Ackport. Or wherever no. they are. Or wherever they are. Who knows? But. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how all of this pleads out and how if they got lawyers and how they actually work the details. But that's always a question when you get a superhero involved in the crime. Right. Takedown, rather. But yeah, interesting. Good uh, good episode. It is a good episode. I enjoyed this episode a lot, actually. I just, uh, I did really like it. And you consider, you know, so many times you hear people say, and and they're, they're, they're true. You know, you can point out some really bad uh color episodes but periodically one of them comes out and everybody's on character and the writing is good and and it's a fun little story right. a little mystery what's going on but i agree i think that's interesting that you brought up that that uh it would have been fun for them to delay for the viewer maybe the knowledge of what was going on for a while right but all in all i give it a b b plus yeah. good episode you know i mentioned earlier that this is an episode that i recorded uh off TV 
when uh, when when it was showing when I was a kid, the show was shown in one hour blocks. For some reason, it was this episode was paired with Money to Burn. Really? Yeah, which is strange because and it was the second one. Money to Burn was aired first, and it was strange because I was looking on. Sometimes when I grab some of my TV facts, I go to TV.com. Yeah. In their episodes, they have Money to Burn listed as before this. And then I'm thinking, oh, no, we could have an issue with produ- with air dates like we did the last time with. Yeah, maybe those the DVD is different than the... Uh... But I looked at the air dates that they uh, still had the, the April 19th air date where these two episodes have aired in March. So I don't know how Money to Burn wound up where it was that in that rotation, but... I don't know. I'd have to pull out serial to serial and see if that has any information in it. Do you have that book yet? No, I no, I don't. I've been gloriously <laughs> broke these past few months. Well, go rob a bank and find a copy of Serial to Serial. And in fact, the author who I've drawn a total blank on right now, Gary Grossman. Gary Grossman, thank you. I think I'm Facebook friends with him. And or follow him or whatever you do on Facebook when somebody has thousands of people and all you can do is I don't know what. But anyway, right. periodically I see that he will put a few of them up signed and not real expensive, 20, 25 bucks or so. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're out there. They're out there. Highly recommend if you're a George Reeves fan uh, that that book, Serial to Serial. Serial being one of the serials spelled C-E-R-E-A-L, like right. Kellogg's. The other, S-E-R-I-A-L, from obvious, serial to serial. I believe, uh, so why don't we uh, take a quick break, we'll play a promo, and then we'll come back with The Tomb of Zaharan. Thank you. Okay. Hang around, folks. Be right back. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Mike. I'm trailing. Man, it sure is great to be back to FCTC after such a long time. Yes, it is, and we've been away so long. Yeah, but real life... You know what? I I just can't do this. Can't do what? We have taken more breaks from this show than my wife has had in her entire life. I mean, we can talk about real life getting in the way. Which it has. But it's, it's just not fair. So we're not going to joke around, and we're going to simply say that for the moment, we're back, and there's a lot of neat stuff to talk about. Like Season 2 of Lois and Clark. And the death of Clark Kent. And the launch of Superman the Man of Tomorrow. And the return of Lex Luthor. And the trial of Superman. And Underworld Unleashed. <laughs> the show can still be found at the Superman homepage, as well as at the Fortress of Bailitude. And we're still part of the Superman Podcast Network. So From Crisis to Crisis is back. For now. And it will still come out on Thursdays. Most week at www.fortressofbailey2.com, www.supermanhomepage.com, or www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into the Tomb of Zaharan. Original broadcast date was March 28, 1957. was written by David Chandler and directed by George Blair. Guest cast included Ted Hecht as Abdul Ben Bey, Jack Wrightson as Ali Zing, Jack Crucian as Omar, Gabe Mor- Moradian as Dean, and George Corey as uh, 
as Prefector of Police Captain Ali. Now for our synopsis, brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com. Your number one source for Superman info in the world. All throughout the planet Houston. And the planet Houston. The secret cut of Zaharan, an ancient eastern culture, goes back 10,000 years. Now which one of you knows anything about the secret cult of Zaharan? Whatever it is, I didn't do it. Modern education. Don't they teach you anything but finger painting? But chief, the secret cult of Zaharan? It's a new one on me too, sir. Well, for your information, it's an ancient Near East culture. That book covers it completely. It says here the tribe goes back 10,000 years. Even to this day, survivors of the race believe firmly in their ancient superstitions. But what's this got to do with the Daily Planet, sir? In exactly one hour, Abdu Ben Bey and Ali Zing arrive in Metropolis, the last stop on their world tour. Rumor says that they belong to this cult. Oh, yes. I remember reading a dispatch about them several months ago. Seems nobody knows what they're up to. They refuse to grant any sort of an interview, and they wear enough jewels to sink a battleship. Exactly. And you want us to get the interview? Exactly. And if we don't? Exactly. We'll do our best, sir. Miss Lane, it might help if you'd wear this. What is it? I borrowed it from Professor Walter's collection. It's supposed to be an ancient Zaharan relic. If you wear it, it might attract their attention, get them talking. Jeepers, what if it has something to do with all this superstition stuff? Oh, come off it, Jim. We're in the 20th century. I know that, but do Mr. Abdu and Mr. Zing? Lois, Clark, and Jimmy have arrived at the airport to find they are not the only ones waiting for Ben Bay and Zing. Two shady characters named Omar and Dean intend to rob the two men of valuable jewels that they are wearing. According to Clark's X-ray vision, the pair of thieves are armed. Thinking there will be trouble, Clark leaves to check things out. In reality, he changes into Superman. Once Abdul and Zing arrive, the scarab necklace is taken from Lois's neck by one criminal as the other threatens Zing and Abdul. Crashing through the wall, Superman makes short work of him as as his partner is arrested as per their plan. We have heard of you, even in our own country. A thousand thanks be heaped upon you. We are your humble servants. If there is anything we can do. Well, gentlemen, there's nothing you can do for me. But I have two young friends here from the Daily Planet, and they'd be very grateful indeed if you'd give them an interview. Of course, it is the least we can do. Well, thank you very much. Uh, let's find a room. A place to talk? <laughs> Certainly. Oh, by the way, where's Superman? Oh, he must have left. <laughs> Is it true this is really nothing more than a pleasure trip? I wish it were more exciting, Miss Lane. For the sake of your story. What I want to know is what about this Zaharan business? It is the tribe of our ancestors. Hi. Hi, Clark. Oh, this is Mr. Abdu and Mr. Zing. This How is Mr. Kent. Mr. Kent, gentlemen. You're a little late, Clark. Superman got the interview exclusively for Jimmy and me. Well, this isn't the first time you two have scooped me. What I don't understand, Mr. Kent, is how did Superman happen to be here? Well, Jimmy, I uh, told you. I read about the jewels in the paper, and I assumed Superman did the same thing and sort of came around to keep an eye on things. Well, that's fine. Now, uh, goodbye, Mr. Kent. Well, not until I return your pendant. They caught the thief. Oh, thank you. What's the matter? That scarab, it is extraordinary. Is that the one you were wedding? Well, I was until the thief came along. May we see it, please? Why, certainly. Oh, uh, did I mention this is our story? Well, yes, Lois, but I thought I'd sort of... Uh, we can manage. Thank you. Very well. The chief was right. They sure seem interested. It is indeed very beautiful. Yes, it is. 
You have been most gracious, Miss Lane. Tonight we leave for Beldad, the capital of our country. And from there we move on to supervise a secret excavation. We'd be glad if you came. And covered the story as our guests. A secret excavation? Oh, golly, this is a chance I've always dreamed of. You will come with us? Why, yes, of course. Oh, that is if uh, Mr. Olson can come, too. I'm sure our boss will be happy to let us go. Naturally, you will want photographs. The plane leaves at 7.30. We will meet you here. There's just one small request. That you wear the pendant. I'd wear the Rock of Gibraltar for this. 7.30, then. Aren't you excited, Jim? You bet I am. Lois and Jimmy have agreed to go with Abdul and Zing to a secret excavation site as they go to their capital city of Baghdad. And over there is the Mosque of Muhammad Ali. Jeepers, it looks like they copied everything right out of those pictures in my old geography book. Is it really as mysterious as they say, Mr. Zing? I shall have to leave that to your judgment, Miss Lay. Hey, the sign says Baghdad's that way. We are not going to Baghdad. But our dispatch. I told you we promised to send one as soon as we got there. We have instructed one of our messengers to send a dispatch in your name. But you can't do that. We demand the opportunity to send our own dispatch. And when we demand something, we very seldom get it. This is ridiculous. I don't know what you're doing, but you'll never get away with it. We mean you no harm. You must believe that. It'd be easier to believe if you'd put that gun away. I hate to admit it, Jim, but looks like Clark was right. I think we've done it again. But golly, Miss Lane, what would they want with us? Unless the chief hired them to get rid of us. It is not for money we do this thing, rather... For the sake of Zaharan. Zaharan. I never did like the sound of that word. I bet this necklace has something to do with it. That, Miss Lane, is the sacred scarab of the Queen of Zaharan. Oh, she can gladly have it back. She already has, Miss Lane. You mean, you think I'm... Exactly. You are the Queen of Zaharan. How do you do, Your Majesty? This is no joking matter, Jim. I will explain briefly. Our Queen's name was, uh, excuse me, is, Nephrodias. 5,026 years ago, she fell into a deep sleep in the tomb of Zaharan. She was wearing that scarab, and it was prophesied that she would awaken 5,000 years later and would be identified by that scarab. Then she should have awakened 26 years ago. And that's exactly how old you are, Miss Lane. The prophecy of Zaharan works in strange ways. A thousand years later, thieves broke into the tomb and stole our queen. That was the reason for our trip, to find the woman wearing the sacred scarab. Who is our queen. But it can't be. Well, you've made an awful mistake. Jeepers, Miss Lane, you don't look a day over 3,000 years old. Someday, Miss Lane. Your Majesty will thank us for bringing you home. The dispatch from Lois and Jimmy has arrived. Chief, take a look at this dispatch from Beldad. Good trip. Stop. Safe arrival. Stop. Proceeding to destination. Stop. End dispatch. Stop. Olsen and Lane. Well, now, do you believe everything's all right? Just the opposite. Take another look. Lois and Jimmy didn't write that dispatch. You're a little groggy. You haven't had enough sleep. No, look, look at this where it says, end dispatch. You know they wouldn't write like that. You've got a point there, Kent. They'd have used a newspaper term, 30. Right, which means someone else sent it for them. Someone may have abducted them. I'll bet that scarab had something to do with this. Let's call the police, put it in their laps. Now, wait a minute, I've got a few angles I want to try myself. No, you don't, you'll stay right here. 
Now, you wait a minute, Chief. Lois and Jimmy mean a lot more to me than any anniversary edition. Well, nothing left for me to do but to fire myself. Now, Superman is flying at superhuman velocities to Beldad. As Clark checks leads in both Metropolis and Beldad, Lois and Jimmy are being prepared for a ritual. They are dressed in the Zaharan cult's royal clothing. However, they will be clothed in the Queen's tomb without food, water, and air as incense burns. That is the sacred incense. You need only breathe it for a little while. And your former life and memory will be restored. And I promised my mother I wouldn't smoke. The only thing your incense is going to do is smother us. Why, we won't last an hour. You will last forever, good queen. And now we poor mortals must leave before we choke to death. Hope they're right, Miss Lane. Guards and handmaidens have left the tomb with Abdul and Zing as black smoke from the incense fills the chamber in which Jimmy and Lois are locked. Meanwhile, the, pre- the prefecture of police captain Ali is helping Clark find the tomb's location, but time is of the essence. If Clark can't help Lois and Jimmy as Superman soon, they will suffocate within the walls of Zaharan. The head of the local museum has told Ali and Clark the location of the tomb of Zaharan. Ali takes a police airplane, but Clark arranged for his own transportation in the form of Superman. He removes the stone door that barricades Lois and Jimmy with his great strength before carrying their unconscious forms into the fresh air. Superman, it's good to see you. And it's good to see you, too. How is the little queen? Feeling better? Please, don't ever say that word again. <laughs> Golly, Superman. Hello, Jimmy. You back with us? We'll have you back in Metropolis in no time. Cheapers, it'll be good to see the Chief's scalling face again. <laughs> but, Superman, how did you know and how did you Well, find it us? seems as though Clark Kent did a little detective work. Oh, you'll see him in Beldad. In Beldad? Mm-hmm. He flew in with me. Well, looks like you'll be riding back with the police captain. I'm sorry it's not as romantic as Camelback. <laughs> Thank you. I've had enough Near East atmosphere for a long time. In the meantime, Abdul and Zing have come out of hiding. Look, the tomb of Zaharan has been opened. Our queen must be gone. Do not worry. The incense worked. She became the queen again. Only she could move such a stone. And whatever she does now is for the good of Zaharan. The scarab. A sure sign she will return one of these centuries. Yes. Our work is done. Clark Lowe's and Jimmy have returned to the Daily Planet. Incredible, Kent. I don't believe it. Now, do you believe it? Oh, no. What have I done to deserve this? Well, I think I look pretty snappy, Chief, considering I'm 5,026 years old. Sure good to see you again, Chief. Don't call me Chief and go get dressed, both of you. Yes, sir. So long, Chief. Oh, go on. Get out. Get out. Just out of curiosity, what is that that Olsen left here? Oh, I think it was very considerate of him. What is it? Well, it's a copy of a Beldad newspaper. Of course, it's in Arabic, but naturally you speak Arabic, don't you, Chief? Yes, I speak Arabic. Ibadi dibbidi abadi magaloo, which means you get out of here, too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
Okay. So, Bob, what do you think about this one? <laughs> um, <clears throat> it, you know, some of these are um, – um, I, I, I don't – it's hard to even put into words sometimes – but because I look at this this particular episode both critically and fondly, and uh, it it is not one of my favorite episodes, but there is something still about it that makes me smile when I watch it. Not the least of which is is Jimmy and Lois in these costumes. Right. It just makes me smile. But it's not not a great episode. In, in you know the scheme of things, but there's some cool stuff. I think some of the music is original to this episode. There are several times where I don't think they use this music anywhere else except in this episode. I I don't know. I, I you know this is one of those where I really don't want to cut it to pieces, but I could, but I just really don't want to. But so I'm going to say it's a C. It's an average color episode where they tried to do something a little fancy and fun. Yes, they did try to do something fancy and fun. <laughs> Even if a lot of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> no. No. Uh, the names are funny. Everything about it. I think it's a, it's funny. The guy shoots Superman three, you know, sh- empties his gun, then throws a knife that bounces. Then he butts him, gives him a head butt. With his head down. With his head down. Yeah, it's funny. It's just hysterical. So it's... Um, you know, this one is is one of the sillier yeah. uh, comic book Lois. This would almost be better in a in one of the crazy Jimmy Olsen comics than Lois comics. But right. it could have been, you know, one of the silly backup stories in either of their two titles. This is a silly Silver Age story. <clears throat> That's exact. Yeah, it's a silver, silly Silver Age story. But you know, I don't know why, but. Before I watched it today, I was when when I knew we were going to talk about this, I was thinking to myself, "Ooh, ooh, I'm not even sure I want to watch that." That's ooh. But then watching it, I just really enjoy it. I had fun watching it. Now maybe I was just in a better mood, right? You know, and I'm feeling better a little bit. Maybe I was just in a good mood. But I, you know, I enjoyed watching it today. It didn't uh, even the dumb plot holes. The Lois, at, we get an age for Lois, twenty six. Yeah, we do. Uh, I'm I, not sure I was, I'm buying Lois as 26, but uh, I think Noel there. was probably a little older than 26 Noel at the was time. 36, 37 at the time. Was she? Yeah. Because I didn't do, I didn't check. I didn't, uh, I didn't. So you're saying they're saying she's 10 years younger than she actually was. Yeah. Interesting. Which makes sense because Jack Larson looks every bit of 30. Right. 35 now. Uh, you know. But and you gotta uh, imagine. And she looked about late twenties in in the Kirk Allen serials, right? Which were almost, right. which were about eight nine years mm-hmm. earlier at this point. That's true. That's true. Again, I had forgotten. I'd let that slip my little mind. You know, and it's really almost weird. It's almost like she was two different people. This is a much different Lois Lane than oh, yeah, the Lois Lane is. she played in the Kirk Allen series. Yes, it- this is a much different Lois Lane. Much different character. Same woman, same actress, and for people who. Well, just watch them both. Make it's, up your It's a mind. different Lois Lane. It's a different Lois Lane, and she plays them both differently. Totally right. different Lois Lanes. But uh, but anyway, I have a hard time cutting this one down. Uh, I imagine you 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 probably have a few things to say. 
Yes, I do. One, I'm not buying for a minute that this Lois Lane is 26 years old. Especially since we're led to believe that the course of the show has been years. I can right. buy Jimmy being 25, 26, but not Lois. Right, but what they're trying to tell us, like in comic books, is that time doesn't pass. No, it's She just... technically... TV wise is this all of these events that have happened over the last five years of the series happened yesterday. Right. You all know, right. So this, it, this brings up an interesting question. How old yeah, is your ideal Lois about my ideal Lois right. is about uh, 27, 28 and Superman is 30 to 35. Okay. Lois can go to 30. I can go late 20s to 30 with Lois and Superman 30 to 35. Those are my ideal ages of Lois and Superman. Okay. One of the times that I've seen him pull it off really well with him being much younger was Smallville, the last season of right. Smallville. To me, they could have changed the name Metropolis and started from the last episode. Oh, yeah. But, but none they, of they, they could have adopted the name Metropolis and probably in season eight. Exactly, exactly. And and I would have been happy to watch Tom in those days put the suit on and continue as right. our TV Superman from that point. Once they decided not to and all, okay, bye Tom, see ya. Right. Thanks for the memories, buddy. So yeah, this uh, you know this was one of those episodes. It was watchable, you know. Mm-hmm. The only thing I really remembered about it were two things: one, Lois in the Egyptian outfit, right, and the ending. The, uh, With Perry White? Yeah, the ibbity-bobbity-boo. You get out of here, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's one of those episodes that ends, and they could be playing that Star Trek yeah. clarinet bagpipe yeah. music at the end. Right. So it's a nice little filler, fun. Everybody got fun. The only real... You know, they tried to have some scary moments and suspenseful moments, but maybe the way it was shot... I don't really know. Maybe it was direction. I don't know because George Blair uh, directed both episodes that we wa- that yes. we talk about tonight. But I thought the first one had a much better feel to it, much better timing, right? Much better flow. This one was, you know, there were some moments that should have been very suspenseful. In fact, several of them, right? right? Early on, with uh, Superman using his X-ray vision to look through the wall and breaking through the wall to stop. The one bad guy from holding the gun on the other two bad guys. Right. All of that. Uh, very suspenseful. In the car, when they're kidnapped or taking Lois and Jimmy to the tomb of Zaharan, that could have been very suspenseful yeah, but and it just, spooky. It never felt like they were in danger. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, although Zing kind of creeped me out. Zing, well, he, that, yes, because I think that's partially his whole shtick and the way he looks anyway. Right. He's just a creepy person. But the only other real scary part, maybe, was when the, the, uh, incense and the smoke came up through the fume. You did get a feeling there for the first time that Lois felt like she, her life was really in jeopardy. She felt really scared at that point. Right. But, um, anyway. Here we go. So the episode starts with Clark learning to type with his eyes closed because, Apparently, he had nothing better to do with his time. Why not? And you know what? He what? shouldn't. At this point, he shouldn't really need to learn how to do this. As long as you know your home keys, oh yeah, you yeah, can do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as long as I can find the home keys, right? Which, for those of you who don't know, are A S D F and G A S D N F and J K L in the semicolon. As long as I find. As All as I, keyboards, by the way, will uh, F and uh, J. Will have will be different than every, every other key on the board. Well, my yeah, my keyboard has a little uh, 
a little nudgy. A little nudge, something. yeah, to let me yeah. know where it is. Yeah. But, yeah, as long as I can find those keys, I can type in a pitch dark room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, this shouldn't be that much of a feat. Not for Superman. Yeah. So, but then after we're done with this little bit, we see Perry with an old book. He's talking to them about Zaharan. Jimmy knows nothing about it, but he knows it's not his fault. Jimmy just wants to get that right out there. Two men are going to arrive in Metropolis who belong to the cult of Zaharan. There's a necklace that needs to be worn to the interview. Obviously, we're going to give it to Lois because you give the woman the necklace. Of course. Clark and Perry are, dispu- are uh, disputing all the uh, Zaharan superstitions, but Jimmy wants to know about them because we all know if there's a curse out there, Jimmy's afraid of it <laughs> and believes in it. Of course he does. He's Jimmy Olsen. He is. So here are the two men. Now we see two men here who are following uh, Ben Bay and Zing. They want the jewels and the turbans, because why not? Apparently we have a cowardly thief and a bold thief. And I have no idea which one is which. One is Alwar, one is Dean. Damn if I can tell you which one was which. Right. Doesn't matter. The episode does not make make this clear, at least not to me. No. So... I would think the guy with the gun and the knife and the headbutt would be the aggressive one. Yeah, he is the aggressive one, but I don't know. I think Omar, wait a minute. Yeah, I think Omar was the short one. The aggressive one? Yeah, the aggressive one. Okay, well, either way. <laughs> we'll, just call them the, we'll, we'll just call them the bold thief and the cowardly thief. The bull and the bear. Yeah, kind of going with the uh, exorcism thing, the old priest and the young priest. <laughs> so, the bold thief's plan is to have the, have the coward create a diversion. So uh, these guys have kind of an interesting dynamic that's kind of fun. And I, I like the cowardly thief's line about, he didn't even know how he became a thief. I don't know how he became a good one. So, the planet crew shows up at the airport. They're all excited. They see Omar Adin and they're worried about them. Clark runs away. And here we go. We're off to the races here. One of the thieves, the cowardly one, grabs Lois's necklace. And the other one puts his plan into motion. And uh, Superman is looking through the wall and... He sees the gun underneath the guy's... Well, actually, Clark already saw the gun, I believe. Yes. That's why he went to change it to Superman. Exactly. So he breaks through the wall and finds George Reeves' fashion. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started to have some questions. And we've talked a little bit about this a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. The thief shot Superman. Yes. He threw a knife that shattered on his body. Yes. In what universe is ramming your head into the man <laughs> going to do anything? Unless inside of his hat, and there's a word for that kind of hat, and I also meant to look that up. There's a word. Yeah, there is a word for that kind of hat, and I didn't look that up. That hat does have a word. It's called something. But unless that has, you know, something kryptonite in it or whatever, yeah, that's really stupid. You know, and, he should uh, and have brought- it achieves the right, it, it achieves exactly the purpose. Yeah. It, it was not intended. He gets knocked out. Right. Well, that's not all that should have happened. He's running with his head down, looking at the floor. Yes. When I was in high school, I played football. Yes. The first thing they teach you is tackle with your head up. Up. Because otherwise, you're going to break your neck. He should have broken his neck on Superman's sternum. So not only should he be knocked out, but he should have been crippled. Maybe Superman did something to prevent the cracking of his neck. But I will say this. It was hilarious. Yes, it was. (laughs) It's a funny scene. And I think that's really what saves this episode is... It is, there is some humor to it where <clears throat> I think they could have gone for very serious, spooky, scary, Near East, Middle Eastern kind of stuff. Instead, they, they went kind of comical with it. Right. And I think they had to. Probably. Probably. 
if they're going to keep with the attitude now established over the last right. two seasons, two and a half seasons, yeah. I mean, you can do a serious episode in a comical way. Right. But a lot of this is just played for laughs. And this is mainly the some of the biggest criminal acts that happen in this episode. Everything else is just weird. Kind of kidnapping, though. And, well, yeah. And there is, but I guess if you do it at your... Attempted murder. Well, they get away with it. <laughs> so Abdul and Zing um, have said they owe Superman a debt. And he cashes it by getting an interview for Lois and Jimmy. So basically, uh, Superman draws his attention to Lois. And uh, maybe if he hadn't... And then Clark... Adds to that yes. by giving the necklace to her in front of them, right? Cementing their thoughts that she is their queen. Now, if Clark were wearing it, would he have been the queen? Uh, that's a you know, it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Probably not. Got to be a woman, right? But what if Clark had it around his neck? Clark wouldn't because it was the fifties. Men didn't do stuff like that. Well, yeah, I, I know, and I know that, but you know. <laughs> What if Jimmy was wearing it? Jimmy would wear it. <clears throat> that would have been interesting had Jimmy. Now, that brings up a whole other thing. Maybe. They may have, like, his was when he had the ring of the prince. Right. And same same plot line, except now he's going to masquerade. He, then he was masquerade. Playing along, though. Play along, Prince and the Pauper. Right. So here, so here we go. They recognize the Scarab, and they're inviting uh, Lois and Jimmy back back to their country. Lois kicks Clark out of the airport, and they're more interested in the the necklace that Lois is wearing, and they're being really creepy about this. You know how they talk, how especially whenever Zing finished the sentence, like right, he, they he, finish each other's sentences, and he finished and, creepy, and yeah. the way he finished the words he used when he say secret excavation, mm-hmm. and like he said, they'll know something after they sniff the incense. It's like, it's like okay, what are they uh, going to be doing here? Incense? What incense? Yeah, yeah. So we're thinking. Nothing can go wrong with this. Mm, nothing. Yeah. So, back at the planet, Clark is worried. Perry lets them go. And uh, I love Jimmy trying to reassure everyone that if there's any trouble, he'll be there. Which <laughs> leads to a great Perry line. If there's trouble, Jimmy would have started it. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy had a comeback for a change. Making a sarcastic comment about the Chief's faith in him. I think this is just another Perry's long line of attempts to get them all killed. <laughs> well, he's just being a good editor. He's sending his reporters... Uh, out where there, you know, there's a story. Go get the story and try not to get killed. And he's very casual about when he mentions them possibly getting eaten by crocodiles or lost in the desert. <laughs> right, right. And then, then he becomes serious when he's like, hey, you think there really could be trouble? Yeah, because I think that was a nice little bit. I'm glad they added that last little bit of, uh, you know, because at first he's thinking, okay, they should have phoned in. We should have heard. We should have Wait a minute. You well, think they really could be in trouble? Well, they had just left at this point. Yeah, but still, that's right. what I'm saying. He was giving the attitude at first, like, it's no big deal. It'll just be a feature story and the Sunday thing. You know, he's giving the impression. It's it's only that he, he picks up on the vibe that Clark is giving right. that they're really, you mean, you think there really could be trouble? Yeah, it's a good thing he mentions that because if he doesn't, you're thinking he's trying to send them out to get lost in the desert. Right. I think Perry would like nothing more than for Jimmy to get lost in the desert. Sometimes. Yeah. But then again, here's an advance on your salary. Yes. Out of my own pocket. Now all of a sudden Clark wants some time off. This is not transparent at all. But he can't can't have his time off. Uh, He and Perry have to finish the anniversary edition. I mean, I just let the only other two employees I have go. You just saw me. You have to stay here, Kent. What the hell's wrong with you? Right. 
He didn't want to mention the bellyache he's trying to fake. Yeah. Alright, so now, uh, apparently, uh, we're hearing from Abdul and Zing that Jimmy is going to be a problem. Jimmy's first problem? That hat. There's a news flash. So, apparently, uh, Jimmy is about to be a human sacrifice. You know, and then, you know, these guys turn up the sinister a little bit. Because Lo- Lois and Jimmy are real excited about going. Right. And, and Lois wonders, uh, if she's going to be this excited when they get off the plane after this trip is over. And I don't remember exactly what they said, but... Well, they just basically said, I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about that, right. And <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're planning to send them back. Yeah, probably not. All right. Let's uh, talk some geography here for a minute. Aww. At first, they call this the Near East. Yes, they did. Isn't a term that's used very widely anymore. Mm-mm. It's kind of been replaced by Middle East. Right. At one point, Abdul or Zing, one of them, mentioned that they're in the Far East. Right. Which is basically China and uh, points east of that. Right. I the guess sh- now would be Asia. Yeah, like the Far East is basically China and on China on East. Right. Korea. Yeah. Japan. Yeah, that's all the Far East. And they're throwing around these terms interchangeably, and they're not. Then you got India and Pakistan would be... See, I used to think India was Near East. India is that's... South Asia, I believe. Yeah, but... Hmm. And all the and all the islands by Australia are like Southeast Asia or something like that. Right. So either way, where where wherever they're going is not the Far East. No, they're not going to the Far East. They're going to Egypt type place. Right. What we refer to as the Middle East. Right. Or maybe even North Africa. And they made references, so it's kind of like Baghdad, uh, Iraq, Iran, Egypt. Because a couple of the names, the fake city names they mentioned were similar to Baghdad and yeah. uh, something else. Maybe not Cairo, but there was something Beldad, else. Baghdad could be a mixture of uh, Belgrade and Baghdad. Exactly. So They're off to Baghdad on a nice stock shot of a TWA flight. And now uh, Abdul and Zing, as they're in the car, when they get to uh, where they're going, they're not going to be able to send their dispatch. And then... Lois kind of gives Jimmy this weird kind of like, oh, we did it again kind of uh, mm-hmm. statement. Like, uh, okay, they're acknowledging how much they screw up. <laughs> so at this point, I love Jimmy's thought that Perry hired them to get rid of Lois and Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and they just calmly say, no, it's not for money. It was, We're going to no. do this. It's the necklace, and it makes Lois the queen of Zaharan. And this is where we learn that Lois is 26 years old. I'm I'm not sure why Jimmy is so sure of how old Lois is, but uh, Jimmy seemed to know. He did. I believe Jimmy is 26 years old, but not necessarily know O'Neill at this point. <laughs> so I like this. So let me go back to the Metropolis. And I really like this scene because Perry and Clark are upset about the dispatch, especially the end of it, the way they signed off. Right. As Clark suggests, they wouldn't use and dispatch. And a lot. I mean, a lot of people really don't know about the newspaper term thirty. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is really written as a dash, the number 30, and a dash, which, right. as Perry indicated, it represents the end. Mm-hmm. I remember about 10 or so years ago, when one of the newspapers in Cincinnati shut down. Basically, that was their front page. Was that their headline, their front page? Basically, the whole that's front page. The, the yeah, dash clever. 30 dash. I, aside from the fact that the paper was shutting it, it was shutting down. We thought that mm-hmm. was a clever front. Yeah, that's clever. I don't think ours did. We used to have two papers, two daily papers, and they really merged. We used to have a morning and an afternoon. Now we only have a morning, and uh, I think they really merged, or the morning one just bought them. I think that's really what happened. But they never had, I don't remember, 
because it happened during my lifetime. It was just like the 70s or 80s. So, you know, but well, that's why a lot of modern newspapers uh, names are hyphenated. Right. Because so many have merged. Exactly. Exactly. But we know we lost the news leader. Right. Totally. Very interesting. Very interesting. But yeah, that that was a newspaper term. I also thought it was clever in the episode for them to set it up by Lois making sure that one of the things that upset her about them not getting able to go back to the hotel right away where they were veering off and taking them was that she demanded to send a dispatch. Right. And the guy said, well, we're going to send it for you. He said, well, you can't do that. No. And so she made a big deal about the dispatch. Right. And then when they finally do let us in and, and we hear it, I think the only downside of that scene was that Perry didn't pick up on it as quickly as Clark did. Well, because Perry wasn't worried initially. You know, Clark was looking for things. Well, no, I don't want to say Clark was looking for things to worry about. Right. Clark, but I was, know what your point. Clark was already worried. So just seeing the, the way he ended just kind of upset him more. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. That was kind of the sign to him that something actually was wrong. All right, I'll go with that. The clerk was already alerted to the fact that something might be wrong, so this was just another clue. So Clark and, might have looked at that dispatch looking for a clue. Right. Either to make sure they were all right or a clue that something was wrong. All right, I'll go along with that. I'll go with that. I mean, because it's possible. Um, they've sent dispatches before. But I still think, yeah, but I still think if they always sign at 30, then it should have jumped out at Perry. So that he really just wasn't concerned. He just right. still, at this point, wasn't thinking anything is wrong. And he's still worrying about getting that special issue out. Right. But I do like the way Clark flies out of, basically flies out of the office here. Oh, not literally fly, but he runs out of that office. He tells Perry, I'm going, and you're, you're not going to stop me, and runs out. But does, does he say that my friend's life is more important than any special edition, or does he say Lois and Jimmy, or does he just say Lois? I don't, off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly which one he said, but... Or maybe I think it was my friends. My friends' they, lives. Or, yeah, they're my friends, and their lives are more important to me than any anniversary edition. Yeah, something then like he, that. Then he, uh, I like how Perry's uh, going to call the police. I'm not sure Bill Henderson's authority reaches quite that far. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. No. No. I think this matter is a little bit above good old Bill's pay grade. <laughs> so, Clark goes to talk to the two thieves who don't say much. One of them should be in traction, but he's not. One of them just says they'll do nothing to stop the Queen from returning. So that uh, that gives Clark a clue about what's happening. And they also mention Zaharan. Yes, Zaharan. Which gives him a, now a place. Right. But still, well, does anybody really know where, they don't really know where the tomb is, though. No, but he's Superman. And he knows the country, at least now, I think. Well, that's good. And, uh... You will notice that when he when he flies out to uh, go to the Zaharan, he flies uh, from left to right because east is right. Good of them to keep that in mind. It is, but they also stayed far enough away from the shot that we couldn't see the S. They didn't do one of those close up zoom ins on that. Shot. No, but you know what? I see it without actually having to see it. Well, it's because we know it's still we just a reverse backwards. shot of him going right to left. I can see enough of the S to know that it's backwards. <laughs> Okay, I refuse to see it backwards. <laughs> I just ignore it, but I know. So, <clears throat> I will say this. This is a nice-looking Egyptian tomb that yes, it is. Lois and Jimmy yeah. have been marched into. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure they found this set somewhere. But it is nice to see them going to different places. And they're going to make her ready to be uh, queen as she gets ushered off. Along with, and Jimmy gets ushered off into, an, into another uh, 
little chamber. Clark is with the uh, police captain, and uh, he's kind of disbelieving. And I want to say this, even though we're getting to season five, George Reeves still looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he looks good in season five, really good, too. I agree. And the costume looks good, but yeah, he looks really good. This is my Superman right here. I don't have a problem with this guy at all, you know? Uh, (laughs) That's another reason why I think I enjoy this episode even yeah. is because George just looks really good. He doesn't quite look his age yet. No. I guess it's by season six where he starts to uh, they let himself go a little bit. And I think some of the stress starts to get to him, too. Right. You can see it in his face. And I think he was drinking more in right. season six. Uh, you can just see more. His face looks a little puffier, a little right. squinty eyes, so, gained a little weight. Right. So they're zooming in on the, on the police chief. He makes his phone call to the museum director. So the, but there's a nice Clark shadow on the wall as the chief zooms in. That's kind of mm-hmm. looking right at the chief. Mm-hmm. I like that little bit of camera work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, down in the tomb, here come Lois and Jimmy in their Egyptian outfits. If you're releasing an extra figure line, this would be uh, Zahar on Lois and Jimmy. Walk like an Egyptian. So, Lois wants out of this, and I guess Jimmy's going to be a human sacrifice. And the right to make her into a queen involves the incense that Zing mentioned at the airport. Jimmy is tied to a pillar. So I'm guessing his uh, role in this ritual is to suffocate. <laughs> and uh, apparently the museum director knows where the tomb is. And well, the police captain offers to take Clark with him, but he's got his own transportation. Whoever tied Jimmy up didn't do a very good job because he seems to get himself free. Or does Lois free him? Uh, I think Lois freed him. Because they left. Once they got out of there, closed the door, Lois ran over and got Jimmy out. Right. She wasn't tied up. She was no. expected to uh, regain her memories. Right. But they end up just passing out instead because they try to mess around with the grate with the incense and it doesn't do them any good. Mm. So here comes Superman. He lands outside the tomb and uh, he pulls the door off in a nice looking shot. Nice shot. That is. Nice grate. And there's some deep sand there walking through there too. And he but, pulls that off in one huge piece. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice little super shot there. Yeah, it is. And then he uh, he basically brings them out. Talks to them for a few minutes before sending them to with the uh, police captain to uh, meet them in Baldad. Then after everybody leaves, uh, Abdul and Zing seem to come in. <laughs> and this scene is just weird. Yeah, yeah. Lois and Jimmy are gone. We, and because the stone was gone, only the queen could have done it. And uh, I think these guys are a little bit lost in their superstition. Well, yeah, and it's weird that they're what they're telling the viewer, too. What the writer is saying here is it's leaving room. It's telling us that these two believe the queen came back to life and the prophecy was fulfilled. Right. They And nothing, no penalties for them abducting and attempting to no. murder Jimmy and Lois. There is no penalty at all for what they've done. Presumably, they could say, well, we need to go find the queen. And they come back to the States and they come back to Lois and they say, where's the pendant? And okay, now we got to take you back because hey, you know, now we know. Well, they they I find, don't know. It's they just find the pendant on the on the ground. Oh, that's right. That's and right. And they left it. Th- she left it. Th- that's the sign that that she'll return. That right. she regained her memories and will return someday. So they've done their job. Well, those two probably opened that little tomb of Zaharan as a little museum. People can walk through and. See the pendant where the queen of Zaharan came back to life. They can put their money in the little doojiggy, and the people will dance and sing. 
That'll be it, it's they made a fortune on that deal. Now I, I don't Zinde gen- and Zing Zing. Yes, yeah, well, you know, I don't generally make a habit of bringing back uh, millennia long dead uh, monarchs to life. It's not something yeah. I really, I'm really into. Yeah, but don't you want uh, to bring them back generally to rule? Generally, that's the idea. To, you know, to restore your kingdom to what it used to be, and uh, yeah, not necessarily yeah. you know go around yeah. the world doing stuff. No, it doesn't seem like this plan did them a whole lot of good. Got them the jewelry necklace thing and their whole new museum gig. <laughs> it did. If, they, if that's what they're going to do, they're just going to, or they're just going to, you know, sit out there and uh, wait for. Uh, yeah, they put a couple of lawn chairs out there, little umbrella. They're just sitting there waiting for the queen to come back now. Well, I'm sure you're, you're familiar with that play, uh, Waiting for Godot. There you go. These guys are waiting for the queen. That's it, right there. They're going to sit there. Yeah. Shall we go? We shall. Nobody moves. We shall. Nobody. So. They've done their jobs. So the now, tomb uh, of Zaharan. Well, we've got a little ending scene. Oh yeah! Oops. Bimbidaloodala. As uh, Lois and Jimmy come back to the planet, clearly not dressed for work. <laughs> what do they think? This is through the time barrier or something? Or something. What's the matter? Have you ever seen an Egyptian before? <laughs> so Perry uh, throws them out. Tells them to go home and uh, get dressed. Lois does a little walk like an Egyptian thing. Yeah, and uh, Jimmy just runs for his life. Leaving the Arabic newspaper on Perry's desk. And apparently Perry can speak Arabic. And what was Perry's last line? It was, I have to go up and find it. It was not Ibbidi-Bobbidi-Boo, like I mentioned before. <laughs> it was, well, although it was close. Hmm. Ibbidi-Dibbidi-Abda-Megaloo, which means you get out of here too. And is this the first time we've seen Perry laugh? No, no, we've seen him do a closing scenes similar to this, uh, I think two or three times actually, where he'll he'll do a little bit and they'll run out laughing or smiling. Yes, sir. I just don't remember him laughing like that. Mm. It is rare. I think it's it is rare. rare. It's normally, very rare. Normally yeah, he's angry. Rare. Yeah, it's very rare. But uh, a couple of times we have seen him do the little laugh at the end. Either way, it's a very nice touch and a great ending to otherwise a pretty lackluster episode. Yeah, so I, like I say, it's about a C episode. It's an average episode. I, I still look fondly at it, but again, fondly because of seeing Jimmy and Lois in the, in those costumes. Right. And um, Perry's bit at the end. George, again, like you said, George looks great at this time. 1957. Uh, he's a full two years away from his death, and uh, he just looks great. He looks absolutely great in the costume, and uh, they're good colors. It's still beautiful red. Several scenes, this costume just looks so good, and he looks good in it. Good Superman. He's just a good Superman. He is. You know, like I said, when I got into season five, I was expecting him to, because I didn't really remember off the top of my head when he started to look different. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. It's not here in season five. He's still looking. No, I think it's I think it's uh, about third or fourth episode into season six. Right. And by the time you get to divide and conquer, right. uh, you can you can see it. You can see it all over. But still, those are great episodes. But, but yeah, terrific, terrific. All right, and so I will be back next time with the man who made dreams come true and disappearing Lois. That's the one with Ben Weldon. Yes, where um, 
Jimmy wants to be the wanted to be the henchman all his life. She because yes, and Lois becomes her the gun mall. Right. And there is a very awkward scene in that episode uh, when they go out to the cave to hide the loot or something, and Lois kind of turns around and is kind of flirting with uh, Weldon and, and is stroking his kind of chin with her fingernails, and it's just so creepy. It's, <laughs> it's so creepy. Oh, God. Enjoy that one. Yes. I probably I probably will because I always enjoy a Ben Weldon appearance. Yeah, it's it's funny. It's a I you know, those are actually two fun episodes. You're gonna enjoy those. Alright. So where can the can the good people find you? <laughs> they can still find me over at the Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com and you can send me email if you'd like to Bob at supermanforever.com. And you can send me feedback at manofscreen at gmail.com like Dave McElvenny does. I'm still waiting to hear from some more of you. I know you're out there. You can find the homepage for this show at manofscreen.podomatic.com. You can find the show's Facebook group by putting Man of Screen Podcast into your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast. And if you want, you can leave reviews for the show on iTunes and Stitcher. That will help people find the show in those directories. So, until next time, for Bob Fisher, this is Mike Zumo. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Thanks for listening. Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode in the amazing Man of Screen podcast. The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all the opinions on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music is in sound clips used in the making of the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com and you can email the show at manofscreen at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.